the Earl of Roscommon and his excellent essay on translated verse. 16, I believe it's 84. Happy that author whose correct essay repairs so well our old Horatian way. And happy those who, with pains and leisure, by such precepts write, and learn to use their arms before they fight. But since the press, the pulpit, and the stage join all their forces to invade our age, provoked and urged, we, we resolutely must, to the few virtues that we have, be just. For who have longed or who have labored more to search the treasures of the Roman store? or dig in Gratian mines for pure ore. The noblest fruits transplanted in our isle with early hope and fragrant blossoms smile. Familiar Ovid, tender thoughts inspires, and nature seconds all his soft desires. Theocritus does now to us belong and Albion's rocks repeat his rural song. Who has not heard how Italy was blessed above the Medes, above the wealthy East? Or Gallus' song, so tender and so true, as even Lycoris might with pity view. When mourning nymphs attend their Daphne's hearse, who does not weep that reads the moving verse. But hear, O oh, hear, in what exalted strains Sicilian muses through these happy plains proclaim Saturnian times, our own Apollo reigns. When France had breathed after intestine broils and peace and conquest crowned her foreign toils, there, learning grew fast and spread and blessed the land. The choicest books that Rome or Greece have known, her excellent translators made her own, and Europe must acknowledge that she gains, both by their good example and their pains. From hence our generous emulation came, we undertook and we performed the same. But now we show the world a nobler way, and in translated verse do more than they. Serene and clear, harmonious Horace flows with sweetness not to be expressed in prose. Degrading prose explains his meaning ill and shows the stuff but not the workman's skill. I who have served him more than 20 years, scarce know my master as he there appears. Vain are our neighbors' hopes and vain their cares. The fault is more their languages than theirs. Tis copious, florid, pleasing to your ear, with softness more perhaps than ours can bear. But who did ever in French authors see the comprehensive English energy, the weighty bullion of our sterling line drawn to French wire 
with through whole pages shine. I speak my private but impartial sense with freedom and I hope without offense. For all recant when France can show me wit as strong as ours and as succinctly writ. Tis true composing is a nobler part, but good translation is no easy art. For though materials have long since been found, yet both your fancy and your hands are bound, and by improving what was writ before, invention labors less, but judgment more. The soil intended for Pierian seeds must be well purged from rank pedantic weeds. Paulo starts and all Parnassus shakes at the rude rumbling there a Lipton makes. For none have been with admiration read, but who were well bred. The first great work is that yourself may to yourself be true. No mask, no tricks, no favor, no reserve. Dissect your mind, examine every nerve. Whoever vainly on his strength depends begins like Virgil, but like Moovis ends. That wretch, in spite of his forgotten rhymes, condemned to live to all succeeding times. With pompous nonsense and a bellowing sound, sung lofty ilium tumbling to the ground. For that noisy, nauseous, gaping fool was he exploded when with universal scorn a mountain labored and a mouse was born. Learn, learn, Crotonia's brawny wrestler cries, audacious mortals and be timely wise. Tis I the call, remember Milo's end, wedged in that timber which he strove to rend. Each poet with a different talent writes, one praises, one instructs, another bites. Horace did ne'er aspire to epic bays, nor lofty morrow stooped to lyric lays. Examine how your humor is inclined, and which the ruling passion of your mind. Then seek a poet who your way does bend, and choose an author as you choose a friend. United by the sympathetic bond, you grow familiar, intimate, and fond. Your thoughts, your words, your styles, your souls agree, no longer his interpreter, but he. With how much ease is a young muse betrayed, how nice the reputation of the maid. Your early, kind, paternal care appears by chaste instruction of her tender years. The first impression in her infant breast, as tis the deepest, ought to be the best. No rigid awe should breed a servile fear, no wanton sound offend her virgin ear. Secure from foolish pride's affected state, and specious flattery's more pernicious bait, habitual innocence adorns each thought and tis your crime if she commit a fault. Immodest words, whate'er the pretense, always want decency and often sense. What moderate frop, fop, what moderate fop would rake the park or stews? 
who among troops of faultless nymphs may choose. Variety of such is to be found, take then a subject proper to expound, but moral, great, and worth a poet's voice, for men of sense despise a trivial choice. And such applause it must expect to meet as would some painter busy in a street to copy bulls and bears in every sign that calls the staring sots to nasty wine. Yet tis not all to have a subject good, it must delight us when tis understood. He that brings fulsome objects to my view with nauseous images my fancy fills, and all goes down like oxymill of squills, and struck the listening world how marrow sings of useful subjects and of lofty things. These will such true, such bright ideas raise as merit gratitude as well as praise. But foul descriptions are offensive still, either for being like or being ill. For who, without a qualm, hath ever looked on holy garbage, though by Homer cooked? Whose railing heroes and whose wounded gods make some suspect he snores as well as nods? But I offend. Virtual begins to frown and Horace looks with indignation down. My blushing muse with conscious fear retires, and whom they like implicitly admires. On sure foundations let your fabric rise, and with inviting majesty surprise, not by affected meretricious arts, but strict harmonious symmetry of parts, which through the whole insensibly must pass with vital heat to animate the mass. A pure and active and auspicious flame and bright as heaven from whence the blessing came. But few, oh, few souls preordained by fate, the race of gods have reached that envied height. No rebel titan's sacrilegious crime by heaping hills on hills can thither climb. The grisly fairy man of hell denied Aeneas entrance till he knew his guide. How justly then will impious mortals fall whose pride would soar to heaven without a call. Pride of all others the most dangerous fault proceeds from ignorance and want of thought. The men who labor and digest things most will be much opter to despond than boast. For if your author be profoundly good, twill cost you dear before he's understood. How many ages since has Virgil writ? How few are they who understand him yet? Approach his altars with religious fire, fear, no petty deity inhabits there. Heaven shakes not more at Jove's imperial nod than poets should before their Mantuan god. Hail, mighty morrow, may that sacred name kindle my breast with thy celestial flame. Sublime ideas and apt words infuse 
The muse instruct my voice and thou inspire the muse. What I have instanced only in the best is in proportion true of all the rest. Take pains the genuine meaning to explore, their sweat, their strain, tug the laborious oar, search every comment that your care may find, some here, some there may hit the poet's mind. Yet be not blindly guided by the throng which has been and is often in the wrong. When things appear unnatural or hard, consult your author with himself compared. Who knows what blessing Phoebus may bestow and future ages to your labor owe. Such secrets are not easily found out, but once discovered, leave no room for doubt. Truth stamps conviction in your ravished breast, and peace and joy attend the glorious guest. Yet if one shadow of a scruple stay, sure the most beaten is the safest way. Fear is the base companion of a slave, but prudence the perfection of the brave. Truth still is one, truth is divinely bright, no cloudy doubts obscure her native light. Well, in your thoughts you find the least debate you may confound but never can translate. Your style will this through all disguises show, for none explain more clearly than they know. He only proves he understands a text whose exposition leaves it unperplexed. They who too formally on names insist rather create than dissipate the mist and grow unjust by being overnice. Judicious Horace used a Parthian name, yet since the victor is but little known, but crisis more for being overthrown. The Roman for the Parthian name will be a tedious comments, true epitome. Words in one language elegantly used will hardly in another be excused. And some that Rome admired in Caesar's time may neither suit our genius nor our clime. The genuine sense, intelligibly told, shows a translator both discreet and bold. Excursions are inexplicably bad, for tis much safer to leave out than add. Be not too fond of a sonorous line, good sense will through a plain expression shine. Few painters can such master strokes command as are the noblest in a skillful hand. In this your author will the best advice, fall when he falls and when he rises, rise. Affected noise is the most wretched thing that to contempt can empty scribblers bring. Vowels and accents regularly placed on even syllables, though all imaginable faults abound, will never want the pageantry of sound. Whatever sister of the learned nine does to you or suit a willing ear incline, 
urge your successes, deserve a lasting name, shall crown a grateful and a constant flame. But if a wild uncertainty prevail and turn your veering heart with every gale, you lose the fruit of all your proper care for the sad prospect of a just despair. A quack had by man, man midwifery got wealth and fame as if Lucina had forgot her trade. The laboring wife invokes his surer aid. Well-seasoned bowls of the gossip's spirits raise, who, while she guzzles, chats the doctor's praise. And largely what she wants in words supplies with maudlin eloquence of trickling eyes. But what a thoughtless animal is man, how very active in his own trepan. For greedy of physicians' frequent fees, from female mellow praise he takes degrees, struts in a new unlicensed gown, and then from saving women falls to killing men. Another such had left the nation thin, in spite of all the children he brought in. His pills as thick as Hangranado's flew, and where they fell as certainly they slew. His name struck everywhere as great a damp as Archimedes through the Roman camp. With this the doctor's pride began to cool, for smarting soundly may convince a fool. But now repentance came too late, for grace and meager famine stared him in the face. Fain would he to the wives be reconciled, but found no husband left to own a child. The friends that got the brats were poisoned too, in such distresses, what could our vermin do? Worried with debts and past all hope of bail, the unpitied wretch lies rotting in a jail, and there with basket alms, scarce kept alive, shows how mistaken talents ought to thrive. I pity from my soul unhappy men compelled by want to prostitute their pen, who must, like lawyers, either starve or plead and follow right or wrong where gynes lead. But you, Pompilian wealthy, pampered heirs, who to your country owe your swords and cares, let no vain hope your easy mind seduce, for rich, ill poets are without excuse. Tis very dangerous tampering with a muse. The profit's small and you have much to lose, for though true wit adorns your birth or place, Degenerate lines degrade the attainted race. No poet any passion can excite, but what they feel transport them when they write. Have you been led through the Cumian cave and heard the impatient maid divinely rave? I hear her now. I see her rowling eyes and panting low, the God, the God, she cries. With words not hers, and more than human sound, she makes the obedient ghosts peep trembling through the ground. 
But though we must obey when heaven commands, and man in vain, the sacred call withstands. Beware what spirit rages in your breast, for ten inspired, ten thousand are possessed. Thus makes the proper use of each extreme, and right with fury, but correct with fleam. As when the cheerful hours too freely pass and sparkling wine smiles in the tempting glass, your pulse advises and begins to beat through every swelling vein a loud retreat. So when a muse propitiously invites, improve her favors and indulge her flights. But when you find that vigorous heat abate, leave off and for another summons wait. Before the radiant sun, a glimmering lamp, adulterate metals to the sterling stamp, appear not meaner than mere human lines compared with those whose inspiration shines. These nervous bold, those languid and remiss, there cold salutes, but here a lover's kiss. Thus have I seen a rapid headlong tide with foaming waves the passive soul divide, whose lazy waters without motion lay, while he with eager force urge his impetuous way. The privilege that ancient poets claim now turned to license by too just a name, belongs to none but an established fame which scorns to take it. Absurd expressions, crude, abortive thoughts, all the lewd legion of exploded faults, base fugitives to that asylum fly and sacred laws with insolence defy, not thus our heroes of the former days deserved and gained their never-fading bays. For I mistake, or far the greatest part, of what some call neglect was studied art. When Virgil seems to trifle in a line, tis like a warning piece which gives a sign to wake your fancy and prepare your sight to reach the noble height of some unusual flight. I lose my patience when with saucy pride by untuned ears I hear his numbers tried. Reverse of nature, shall such copies then arraign the originals of Morrow's pen and the rude notions of pedantic schools blaspheme the sacred founder of our rules? The delicacy of the nicest ear finds nothing harsher out of order there, sublime or low, unbended or intense. The sound is still a comment to the sense. A skillful ear in numbers should preside, and all disputes without appeal decide. This ancient Rome and elder Athens found before mistaken stops debauched the sound. When by impulse from heaven, Tyrtaeus sung in drooping shoulders, sh soldiers, a new courage sprung. 
reviving Spartans, now the fight maintained, and what two generals lost, a poet gained. By secret influence of indulgent skies, empire and poesy together rise. True poets are the guardians of a state, and when they fail, portend a po approaching fate. For that which Rome to conquest did inspire was not the Vestal, but the Muses' fire. Heaven joins the blessings. No declining age e'er felt the raptures of poetic rage. Of many faults, rhyme is perhaps the cause. Too strict to rhyme, we slight more useful laws. For that in Greece or Rome was never known till by barbarian deluges overflown. Subdued, undone, they did at last obey and changed their own for their invader's way. I grant that from some mossy idle oak in double rhymes are Thor and Woden spoke, and by succession of unlearned times, as bards began, so monks rung on the chimes. But now that Phoebus and the sacred nine with all their beams on our blessed island shine, why should not we their ancient rites restore and be what Rome or Athens were before? Oh, may I live to see that glorious day and sing loud paeans through the crowded way when in triumphant state the British muse True to herself shall barbarous aid refuse, and in that Roman majesty appear, which none knows better, and none comes so near. Finney, thank you.